Hello and welcome to the Relational Parents Podcast, where we get off autopilot and give thoughtful attention to how we interact with our children and relate to ourselves so that you can show up in your family as the best version of yourself with a lot more joy and ease. I'm your host, Teresa Puckett, and I'm thrilled you've joined us today. So excited to be with you here today for the third in the series that goes along with the Positive Discipline book. Today's topic, Unraveling Misbehavior. And as we often do, I have three sections that we're dividing the podcast into today. Number one, what is misbehavior? Number two, the biggest difference that we can make. And number three, the four mistaken goals of misbehavior. So number one, what is misbehavior? Well, even within this topic, there are a few different flavors. And the first flavor is around developmentally appropriate expectations uh, that we have as parents. So if you think about a child who has special needs, maybe they're on the autism spectrum, or maybe they have special needs because they have dyslexia and dysgraphia. Uh, You know, we would do some uh, special work as a parent to understand, okay, what is an appropriate expectation? What do they need? What, you know, it's, you know, special needs means that we need to understand those so that we can modify our expectations and parent them and encourage them appropriately. So that's a great frame of reference because every single child goes through their own stages of development. And, you know, we can sort of shortcut this by calling it age-appropriate behavior, age-appropriate development. There are different levels of development for our, our physical capabilities, for our cognitive capabilities, our brain development from the age of, you know, infant up to um, sort of young 20s, 25, when we generally understand that the brain is fully developed. And oftentimes, we as parents can have mismatched expectations. So for example, two things that I see very, very frequently, like with a toddler, right? We expect them to know how to share and to understand that not sharing is wrong and have these sort of adult ideas. Well, toddlers don't know how to share. Toddlers, it's it's fundamentally not in their wiring. And so when we have that expectation and we scold them and we punish them, that it looks like misbehavior. It's it's really not. We need to take a different approach to um, to that kind of behavior. Also, if you have, say, a kindergartner who uh, we we keep trying to explain very detailed logic and every expectation that we have so that they can understand us, in some situations, in many situations, they're not going to 
understand the adult level of logic. We need to take a different approach and, and maybe show them or give them a couple of choices that we're okay with without them understanding all the nuances because they just, they're not ready for it. Their brains aren't ready. So when we have our expectations lined up with where the child is developmentally, then some of that quote misbehavior really fades away. It's not misbehavior. It's just our misunderstanding of what's appropriate. And I will say number two, there are other things like a child is just overtired or a child is hungry and that the consequence of that can show up as quote misbehavior too. And I know when I'm tired and hungry, I am not behaving. I'm not going to be prone to behaving well. I probably have, I hopefully have some more coping skills than a toddler or a preschooler or even a teenager but I'm still not going to be prone in a very challenging situation to uh, behaving well. So sometimes we label things as misbehavior when really, you know, our child is tired or hungry. And for a young child, um, you know, whose fault is it really that they're tired or hungry? You know, we we push them too hard. We forgot a snack in our purse. We've all been there. Um, but that's, uh, that's just another thing that we tend to label as misbehavior. That's really, uh, that's really not. Okay. So I can hear you now. When are we getting to the real misbehavior? So the real misbehavior, we talked a couple of episodes ago about children's and and indeed all humans' primary needs of belonging and significance. That belonging being the love, the connection, the feeling of belonging to the family. And then significance being feeling very important, feeling like I'm capable. Now, when children do not feel those needs being met in positive ways as a matter of course, they are going to get those needs met in a different way. And those ways are ways that we very typically um, and and more accurately than the other um, the other two examples, we label them as misbehavior. Those are really the behaviors of children who are discouraged and who are not getting those primary needs of belonging and significance met in ways that we would view as positive. So they have to find other ways of getting those needs met. I want to mention really quickly that this is not a conscious, sort of devious, manipulative process that children go to go through. This is something that happens completely under the surface of their consciousness. It's totally unconscious that, hey, if I can't belong in a way that makes everybody happy, I've got to belong. I mean, if I don't belong, I don't really exist and I I have to belong. 
I'm going to find a way to belong. These are not actual thoughts that children are aware of. Um, Just want to mention that, and I'll go into that a little bit later in more depth. So I think number two is really exciting. The biggest difference that we can make as adults as regards the misbehavior of our children, the biggest difference we can make is to become aware of our part in contributing to the misbehavior and to accept responsibility for that part. And look, this is not about blaming ourselves. It's not about it's my fault every time my kid misbehaves. No, no, no. This is just about understanding that in any interaction, there are two parties and there are things that happened before that contributed. So if we can understand and just become more aware of how we may be contributing to the atmosphere that is allowing for this and and encouraging this misbehavior, that actually gives us a lot of power because when we understand that, when we can become aware of that, we can make some changes. And we can, if we make those changes in our own behavior, we make changes in the, the atmosphere and the environment, the situation can then change as well. I think that's super exciting. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to sit here and say that's exciting, and it is. But in the moments of misbehavior, it's a little bit of a different story. It's, a, it's the other side of the coin, right? In the moments when we are frustrated or angry or just plain pissed off, a lot of times, and I know because I've talked to other parents, but I also know because it's true for me, in those moments, I want my child to control and change their behavior. And in those moments, I am not modeling that. I am not inclined to control my behavior because I am so pissed. That's when I am losing it. It's the hardest thing to control our own behavior when we are triggered. Not only that, it's the hardest thing. It's almost impossible. How am I going to take any encouraging actions when I am in the midst of being so pissed off about this thing that my kid is doing or keeps doing or keeps fighting me on, whatever it is, I'm triggered. I'm not going to be, you know, reaching for these encouraging tools. I have some good news for you. That is totally okay and appropriate. And you know why? Because when we are triggered like this, chances are So are our kids. Maybe they were triggered first. And so now we're we're both in this fight or flight response. And it's okay that we don't have the tools to reach for. It's okay because in this kind of an environment, do you really think your child is going to be receptive to those tools anyway? No, they're not. Just like we wouldn't be. Just like when somebody comes in and says, oh, calm down. Oh, what are you upset about? Oh, they're trying to like, you know, use their limited tools on us. And we're like, 
you know, forget you, never mind. You know, we don't want to hear it. So the same thing with our kids. They don't want to hear it. What is really needed is a cooling off period, a settling down period where we and our child can regroup, can let the owl fly back, let our rational brain kind of take over again, let our emotional brain, that fight, flight, or freeze, sort of calm down. We can regroup and uh, and get our bearings. And that's something that when we're triggered, we can work to take the lead on, like using some language and saying, look, I'm too upset right now to talk about this. Let's set a timer and I'm going to go take some deep breaths and we can come back to this. Whatever it is, there's so many different ways that we can go about this. And there's some other great positive discipline tools for this when we need that cooling off period that I'll talk about in a future episode. Um, But the exciting thing is we can become more aware of our part in contributing to it and ultimately every child is going to make up their own mind about what their their next action is going to be, what the next moment for them is going to look like. So it's not that we are completely responsible for all of their decisions. That That's wrong. I mean, we're, we're both equals. They're going to make their own decisions, but we can take the lead. We can understand any contributing factors or behaviors or energy that is on us, and uh, we can move forward from there. Okay, section number three, the four mistaken goals of misbehavior. Very exciting stuff. So first I want to talk about why do we why do we call them the four mistaken goals of misbehavior? And you'll remember back earlier in the podcast, I talked about the fact that misbehaving children are discouraged children. They are discouraged because they are needing to find a new way, a different way, potentially um, in, in kind of adult and parent terms, a negative way to feel a sense of belonging and a sense of significance. So these are four mistaken ways that they are trying to feel belonging and significance. So we call them the four mistaken goals of misbehavior. So I'm going to lay out what those are. The four mistaken goals are undue attention, power, revenge, and assumed inadequacy. I think it's easiest to understand these four mistaken goals with an example. And it's a little, it's a little tricky for parents to see, you know, which, uh, which mistaken goal does my child have? You might guess if a child is not doing their homework, you might guess that's a, it's a power play, or you might guess it's revenge. But the truth is the same type of misbehavior can be used in any of those four ways. So the child can have any one of those four mistaken goals and be demonstrating the same 
behavior. So I'm going to illustrate with uh, something which I find is very common for a lot of the parents I'm talking to is homework, right? Child is not doing their homework. Now, a child could not be doing their homework because they want your attention. If you're saying, hey, are you done with your math? And nope, I'm not done. And they are are hooking you in um, with a lot of uh, attention and they're getting a lot of attention from you. It could be that that is their mistaken goal. They are sort of under the unconscious impression that they only belong or they only are important when you are paying attention to them. Okay, we'll move on to power, uh, a misguided notion of power. So they could be thinking, hey, I'm, I don't have um, any, I don't feel like I belong or I'm significant unless I'm in control. And the way I'm taking control is I am deciding not to do my homework. I, uh, I'm the boss of me and I'm deciding not to do my homework. Could be their mistaken goal. The third mistaken goal of revenge could be perhaps this child has already felt like they've been beaten in a battle of wills. They already feel hurt. They feel like they don't know what else to do. So they're going to get even with you because they know that um, their homework is very important to you. So they're thinking, hey, I only count. I am only uh, feeling important and like I belong if I can hurt back and I've already been hurt. So I'm hurting back. The fourth uh, mistaken goal of behavior is assumed inadequacy. And this means that the child really feels like they are inadequate. They are not up to the task. And in this example, that they cannot do their homework. They've kind of given up and this is the way that they are feeling perhaps not even significant, but, but maybe, but their only way to feel like they belong is to withdraw and kind of connect only with themselves. Now, before we go any further, I do want to come back to that point I made earlier where I said that the child is not consciously aware of these goals. They're not deciding, oh, my mistaken goal today is going to be power or assumed inadequacy. Nothing like that. This is all happening at an unconscious level. And I'm going to share a quote right from uh, Rudolf Dreikers. And he says, it's actually damaging to speak to the child about his mistaken approach directly. This knowledge is to be used as a basis for our own action as parents, not as a weapon to use against the child. The child is not consciously aware of his or her mistaken goal. So you can imagine that a child who has a mistaken goal of just wanting attention, that undue attention, is going to have different needs. They're going to benefit from a different response than the child who has a goal of revenge, right? So how do we know if the same behavior 
can be used to for any one of those four mistaken goals, how do we know which goal the child has? How do we know how to respond? Because we, we don't know how to respond until we know which goal the child has. So the great news is, thanks to all of the work of Alfred Adler and Rudolf Dreikers, that we do know that there are some major differences, and I'm going to go through them. There's there's two differences, and then your approach is going to be different. So there's three differences for each one of these mistaken goals, and uh, Jane Nelson has done such a wonderful job in the book. She has a whole chart about this, so I definitely encourage you to... Um, to do a little bit uh, deeper dive or, um, you know, whatever your modality is, either in reading, Googling, um, or taking a class. So the three differences are how you feel as a parent is going to be very different for each one of these goals. So how you feel. Number two, how your child responds is also going to be very different for each one of these goals. And by using how you feel and noticing how they respond, you'll be able to identify which one of these mistaken goals they're stuck in, and then you'll be able to modify and choose the correct approach. So for the first mistaken goal of undue attention, when they are kind of nagging you or interrupting you and, um, and asking for your attention, whether it's, um, I, I don't know how to do this or come see this, or did I do this right? Or whatever it happens to be, um, how you feel as a parent is going to be either annoyed or guilty, sort of depending a little bit on your personality. You'll feel either annoyed or guilty. They are going to respond. If this is actually their mistaken goal of your attention, uh, undue attention, they're going to respond by stopping whatever the behavior is for a little while when you tell them to stop and then coming back again because they got your attention that holds them for a little while and then it's not going to be too long before they need some more because that's the way that they're getting their belonging and significance. So that's, uh, that's the way they respond. That's how you can tell if it's undue attention is a mistaken um, goal of their misbehavior. Uh, in terms of your approach, you're going to want to avoid special service for this child because that will only reinforce their belonging, their their feelings of belonging and significance, and it will perpetuate the cycle. It will keep it going. If you're rewarding their bids for your attention with attention and special service, you are setting yourself up to be doing this more and for a very long time. And you're also not doing your child any favors. That's the bigger thing here. You might be willing to dress your child until they're 10, but you're not doing them any favors because they do not feel capable. They do not feel a sense of self-worth. And, you know, I hate to tell you, but no one else is going to be dressing them after you're willing to. So um, you're not doing your child any favors. And that's the big thing here. We want to go for encouragement rather than discouragement. And so one 
way that you can do that is by giving your child reassurance and showing faith in them and in their capabilities. So that is the mistaken goal of undue attention. Next, we'll move to the mistaken goal of power and misguided power. So if a child has this goal and you are in a a bit of a struggle with them, you as a parent, depending again on your personality, you're going to feel challenged in some way. And depending on your personality, that will either make you feel provoked and like, okay, I'm, I'm in here and I'm going to show you who's boss. So provoked or threatened, like, wow, this kid is really coming on and I don't know what I'm going to do. So in either case, you feel challenged, whether you feel provoked or threatened. And any attempt you make to lessen their behavior is going to, uh, they're going to intensify their behavior. That's going to be their response is to intensify this power struggle with you. So If that's the way you feel and if that's the way they respond, you know that their mistaken goal is misguided power. And your approach as a parent is the best approach is always going to be to withdraw from the struggle. Always, always withdraw. Now, there's going to be a lot of options after the withdrawal and the calming period, there's lots of options. And just one of them could be limited choices. You know, I'm okay if you do X or Y, which one would you rather do? You decide. It's your decision. All of those good kind of words that give them decision-making ability and, uh, and give them some power. So that's in a nutshell um, how you know if it's power and what to do. Revenge is a bit like uh, power intensified, power and a child who feels like they've lost and lost and lost the power struggle, they feel hurt and they've intensified. So that's, it's a little bit of a progression here. But if this is their mistaken goal of revenge, you don't feel challenged like you did in the power, you feel more either hurt or disgusted by whatever it is that they've done. It might be something where they've they've hurt a, a person physically, might be where they've defaced some property. They, um, they've definitely tried to do something to hurt back. And so you feel hurt or disgusted. And you know that it's, um, it's a mistaken goal of revenge if you feel that hurt and disgust. And if the child's response to kind of your knee-jerk reactions is an escalation or more of the same, if you have this pattern, you know it's revenge. And the, uh, the positive discipline parenting approach is to really, as long as you, you, are aware of this, which is a great first step. You really need as a parent to take a cooling off period until you can get into at least a neutral energy with the child. And and at that point, anything you can do to validate their feelings, ask them some questions, 
there are a lot of positive discipline tools that can be used um, to build up that relationship. And they should, those are the tools to, um, to reach for. And I've done um, another podcast on one of the major tools called special time. That's a great example of a tool to build up the relationship that has been, um, you know, that's really been compromised and damaged in some way if the child's mistaken goal is revenge. Okay, the fourth mistaken goal being assumed inadequacy. How do you know if the reason that your child is not doing their homework is assumed inadequacy or the reason for any behavior? That's just the example that I used. Um, you, You know, because of your feeling, you're not feeling annoyed or challenged or hurt, you're feeling hopeless or helpless if this is their goal. And in response to anything that you are doing or in response to you, they are retreating even further or they're really, they're not doing anything. They're just, they're kind of continuing on with this whole, I can't do it. And they really believe that they can't. That's why we feel hopeless and helpless. And I just want to contrast that with if a child's mistaken goal is undue attention and they're looking for attention, they're going to say, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. But they're saying that for attention. They don't really feel that they can't. And you feel annoyed versus on this side, they're saying that they can't and they really and truly believe that they can't. Um, so they they really feel inadequate. The parenting approach, the positive discipline parenting approach for assumed inadequacy is to focus on small steps, as small as the steps need to be to ensure some success. That's how small they need to be. Does not matter how small. And to really take time with this child for training, not to try to bite off more than they can chew, really go for small, small steps. And for this child, it's very, it's vital that you really believe in them. And that's, that's not to say that you tell them that you believe in them and that you try to convince them that they can do it that will actually backfire because they don't believe that they can. And this is beyond mere words, but your gut level belief in them will absolutely be helpful as you are taking time for training and focusing on some small steps. So those are the four mistaken goals of behavior. I do want to say a word about the applicability of these. These are highly, highly applicable for children from the ages of two or three all the way up until the ages of, say, 10 or so, sort of 9, 10, 11. And that's because up until those ages, the children are very, very interested in us as parents, and they look to us. They um, they look to us 
to see their self-worth reflected back at them. What we say and do really matters very much in their world. And so uh, these four mistaken goals are applicable there. Once they hit the tweens and teens, not that what we say and do doesn't matter. It still does. It's just that they are more interested in their peers at that stage. And they're, um, they're interacting more with their peers and uh, getting more of uh, a sense of camaraderie and um, looking to their peers at that age. So um, just wanted to say that in terms of applicability. And overall, and before we close out today, I know this has been a long one. This is this is kind of the crux of a lot of positive discipline is decoding our kids' misbehavior. And then there are so many tools that positive discipline brings to bear to help encourage our children um, and, and to help them out of discouragement. But I just want to say it takes real, it takes understanding and acceptance of our children as they are and as they are showing up. As they are showing up, their behavior does not equal our children, but their behavior is how they're showing up right now. And so if we can take some steps to understand it, accept them as they're showing up right now, then we can help them rediscover their true self-worth that they knew when they came into the world, but they might have forgotten. So we've been on quite a journey in this podcast. We've been on a journey of unraveling misbehavior. We answered the question, what is misbehavior? We also talked about the biggest difference that we can make for our children in um, in reversing their misbehavior. And then we went into some detail on the four mistaken goals of misbehavior. I hope you enjoyed this content. And next time we're going to be taking a look at consequences. Would you like to interact with other like-minded parents? Maybe ask them or me a question about your child? If so, join the growing community of relational parents at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash relational parents.